ora, you're listening to Island Life on Waiheke Radio, our look at Waiheke people, events and issues. Uh, it's a little over a year since the local body elections and it's been a pretty tumultuous year uh, between weather and, and other events and so I thought it was a good timely to speak to our councillor, Mike Lee, to look back on how that year has gone. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So, you know, if you're looking back over the past year, Mike, um, you know, in your role as a councillor on the, the Auckland governing body, I mean, how would you how would you summarise that year? Um, just, just as you summarise it, it's been a very strange year, an unsettled year, um, and it's not just the weather, as you also point out. Um, it's very hard to work out the direction of travel uh, in in this Auckland Council, under this Mayor. Um, and so it's been quite challenging. But on the other hand, um, rewarding also, um, um, you know, to be able to interact with, with, with um, people, with um, um, constituents, um, with people out there um, who are looking for help and against us very big organisation which can be quite insensitive um, and unresponsive so in that sense it's been quite rewarding. One of the big challenges that the governing body had to grapple with was setting a budget Uh, and you know there was some very contentious proposals in there around uh, selling of of airport shares uh, where rates would be struck uh, what kind of services would would survive that process? How do you you know how do you think the final outcome is is serving the people of Waiheke? Do you think it's do you think we got to the right place? No, um, I, I I don't I don't think we have. And at the same time, I I, I would say that Waiheke, in, in in some respects, and that's why we came here, such a lovely place that it has an advantage and. The island is looking quite good now, you know, so on the surface, um, that's fine. But essentially, um, I have to say that the, the budget decisions were poor ones. Um, the, the, the assets were sold, uh, particularly the Auckland Airport shares, which were bequeathed to this council. They weren't purchased. Um, they were bequeathed by a, a visionary generation of political leaders like um, Sir Barry Curtis and, and the late Dame Kath Tizard. Um, so, you know, the family silver has been solved, but the fundamental problems within the council have not been solved at all, and we're having to deal with them again. And what I fear is that there is an agenda um, to sell more assets, including the the all of the remaining airport shares plus um, moves are underway to to sell or lease for you know 30 40 50 years the ports of Auckland which in effect is is the same as a sale fundamental problems within the council financial problems within the within the council are not being dealt with adequately in my view what do you believe is the solution that should be, you know, we should be, or the way that we should be approaching that issue then? I mean, um, you know, because you've got, you know, I mean, basically, if you don't sell stuff, you've got to put the rates up, right? That's right. There's a big, 
And I, I, last time I checked, Auckland council rates were the highest, if not uh, highest in the country, or pretty close to that. So there's limited options there, I believe. And I don't, I, I, in some ways, it's an easy option, but I, I don't believe it's the right, right, right one. In other words, people are already paying sufficiently for more than enough in their rates, and also the, all the other charges. You know, the council has a $5.4 billion turnover. What is the main problem? The council is spending too much. It's spending too much on itself. Um, but most importantly, um, it's spending too much on procurement. And that doesn't mean to say we don't need um, to build infrastructure. It means that um, the way our economy and our society has been structured... Um, local government and public sector in general is not equipped um, to deal w with an ag aggressive corporates, international corporates in the marketplace. I'm, I'm talking. Let's talk about the construction sector. We'll talk about the Fletchers, the Fulton Hogans, the Downers. Um, the Auckland Council Group, Auckland Council itself, AT in particular, Watercare, Panuku. Um, are, are all engaged in massive procurement of infrastructure, in effect competing against each other. And I believe the prices we are paying for um, for capital expenditure, which the council insists on calling investment, whether it's an investment or not, and um, um, operational expenses is way too high. It needs to be pushed back. Um, we need people in the council with, with the skills, um, with the quantity surveying skills to to achieve some rigour um, in, in the way we spend the public's money. We're not doing that right now. We are, in effect, competing with each other across the group and bidding prices up, and the, the prices are controlled by quite a small group of offshore corporates. The... You know, part of the uh, the pressure, the financial pressure on council um, has been, you know, the recovery from those weather events early in the year. Um, and while Waiheke got off relatively lightly compared to, to some parts of the city, we still see the aftermath of that here. You know, we've still got Tetoki Road, you know, one lane controlled by by traffic lights and there seems to be no kind of movement forward on on getting that fixed, do you think that the the city is in a place to adequately resolve those issues from the earlier events and also be ready for further uh, weather events? You're quite right, Chris. And um, you've got Wolf, Wolf Road. You've got um, you've got um, um, uh, Crescent Road with with potholes and. Um, one would assume they would have been sorted some time ago. So evidently not. Um, we, we have the case of Kerry Kerry, and I was, I was out there recently inspecting um, Waitaki Ranges Regional Parkland, and um, I learned from local councillor um, Ken Turner, whose family has lived in the area for generations, that the Kerry Kerry locals were told that um, AT would not be able to unblock their road, which was um, in, damaged by multiple overslips and underslips, and um, and they'd have to wait, you know, 
indefinitely. So they, they had enough equipment, basic equipment, to go out and clear several kilometres of road themselves, and they did a, f- a fantastic job. And in the end, AT paid them a couple hundred grand to, to offset their costs. But had AT done it through a proper contract, it would have taken longer, and I dare say it would have cost a lot more than that. So coming back to, to my earlier answer, no, I don't think um, we're equipped to, to deal with major um, events like we have have been struck with. And But the, the council was already in, in, in poor shape financially before that anyway, so it's just uh, compounded things. On, uh, on a more kind of personal level, Mike, you, um, you know, for a long time have expressed a, a strong interest in, in public transport um, and, you know, were very keen uh, on one of those councillor board roles with Auckland Transport, uh, but the, the mayor removed you from that role? I mean, what's your... I wasn't keen. <laughs> I, I was at a meeting, um, it was... A tr- mayoral um, debate meeting and it was hosted by the Campaign for Better Transport, Public Transport's Tr- Public Transport Users Association and um, NZ Transport 2050 and they asked me to make an introductory speech and it went down quite well and candidate Wayne Brown said what's more I'm going to fix AT I'm going to put Mike Lee back on that board and there was very hearty applause and then um, candidate Viv Beck got up and said oh, I'm going to put Mike Lee back on that board and so did Craig Lord the, so I didn't ask to go back on, on the board you know like Huckleberry Finn I'd been there before um, but um, you know I, I I happily took 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 on the job and felt um, um, it was very useful um, for being there for, being there for six months actually um, when the mayor decided to remove me I did not um, lobby anyone or please support me to stay on um, because he removed me to give my job to councillor Derby who supported him on selling airport shares and that's just the hard reality of politics as it is today You've you've spent time in local body politics, you know, over a long period of time, Mike. And you know this this council, you know, whether or not it's true, I suppose there is a, a, a perception or a portrayal of it as being kind of uh, riven by by you know disagreement. I mean, what's your take on that? How does it compare to to past local bodies you've been part of? Well, compared to the Auckland Regional Council, where we had a, a caucus of everyone um, when I was the chairman uh, there for, for six years. Um, um, it, I, I guess it's, it's divided as um, most, um, you know, uh, democratic bodies are, including parliament. But, but um, I, I, I don't think it's um, acrimonious, um, or uh, nasty um, as such, um, you know, it's it's very interesting, Chris, in that um, on some questions, um, and I consider myself an independent, and there's a couple of other independents, namely Councillor Wayne Walker and Councillor John Watson, sort of maverick, maverick guys um, in the middle, but um, on the airport uh 
share debate, which was quite divisive, divisive um, and quite emotional. Um, myself and the two other um, independents, Walker and Watson, aligned with um, South Auckland Labour Party people to battle that. Um, other Labour Party people um, aligned with the mayor um, to sell out and they were rewarded by being promoted. And so it's a bit of a collide, it's a bit of a kaleidoscope. So there's no permanent division as such, um, which kind of makes it interesting and somewhat uh, unpredictable. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm the most uh, can I say the, 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 the most um, mercurial, I guess, is the mayor because you you're never quite sure. Where which way he he's going to go and what he's said in his campaign is not necessarily the way he votes and the the, the downtown car park issue I think could be one of those um, issues where the mayor opposed it during the election campaign and um, is looking is making noises like he wants to support precinct properties um, buying and demolishing that so. It's pretty unpredictable in there. I mean, when you when you look forward, you know, you're you're a year in, two years to go. Um, you've just mentioned that downtown car park, which is pretty important for for Waiheke. Um, what are the other issues on the horizon that you believe are going to be really important ones for the island community? The the ferry situation is important. It worries the hell out of people. Um, particularly the scale of, of the cost of fares and the, um, the, 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 the scale of increase of increases of fares and how unpredictable that is. And I just have to, have to say I, I feel very disappointed um, at, the, at the conclusions of Waka Kotahi, um, which found that, there's, that they don't have any grounds uh, to be able to intervene and regulate those fares, which I, I think their assumptions uh, are all wrong, and, and I can explain that, but th that will be an issue, an ongoing issue. Um, th the other issue is the lack of um, rentable properties on Waiheke, um, and you're hearing stories of, of people having to say, stay, you know, workers having to stay in suboptimal accommodation. Um, and yet there's a lot of empty houses, and it seems to me that the council and Kaingora really need to, I mean, we're getting people in the community say that the council needs to force people who are doing Airbnb or whatever to open up their homes for permanent rentals. Well, that's that's not possible or fair, but I think there there is um, there is room, I believe, to incentivise um, people um, w with empty properties who may even be in the, in the Airbnb market, uh, and some people rely on that for their their livelihood. You know, they've invested in it um, to incentivise them to consider. Um, permanent rentals in, in place of you know short-term rentals or leaving the place empty. I think that's something that council and the local board and 
central government, and I know that um, our MP Chloe would be interested in, in that sort of thing, um, and it's something I'm going to talk to her about at, at our next meeting. So let's move on to, I suppose, structure of, of local government. You know, we've um, in the past, we've seen the amalgamation of a number of small councils into Auckland City Council. Uh, and then more recently, what is it, what must it be, what, 12 years ago now, the, the, the super city. Um, and recently, Auckland Council considered, which something which I would argue is probably, you know, equally as significant in terms of local body reform, which was whether or not to establish Maori wards. Uh, now that that didn't uh, didn't get through. What was your position on that, Mike? Um, my position was um, my. Let me when I first went into local politics, before I went into local politics in nineteen eighty six. Um, the government of the day, the Labour government, uh, 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 amended the structure of the Auckland Regional Council and placed the electorates on a parliamentary model. And that included two Māori electorates, Northern Māori and Western Māori. And in 1986, I was a guy who was a ship's officer coming back to Waiheke on leave. Um, and our ward was Auckland Central, for the for the ARA that which became the ARC as part of those reforms, and it was a Labour a very strong Labour ward at, at that time. Labour's a, a seat at that time, um, and we all voted for a Maori in a general ward. Hiwi Tauroa. I voted for him, and so did a whole lot of other people. Well, six years later, Hiwi Tauroa resigned. It fed up, and there was a by-election, and I stood. Um, and, and I was elected for Auckland Central. I had two um, uh, colleagues in, in Murray Wards, Wairete Norman for, for Northern Murray, and she was a member of the Alliance, and Taho Cooper, who took over from Nanako Minhanek. So I've worked um, in an organisation with, with Murray Wards, and it's fine by me. And it was ARC policy um, after it got reformed that there should be Murray Wards, and right up to, I remember lobbying um, Rodney Hyde, um, let's have Maori wards, and he was persuaded to go for non-elected independent Maori statutory board, probably because, you know, the Conservatives didn't like the idea of Maori wards, but they thought a non-elected um, body was somehow better. God knows how they figured that one out. And so the Independent Māori Statutory Board, which really is independent apart from the money, it's not accountable even to the the people who, or the college or whatever it is, and that's all a bit murky, who elected it. So they have significant influence and power over decision-making, including over finances in the Auckland Council for, for the past 13 years. And essentially it's the same people who have been there the whole time. So I wasn't... Um, uh, of a mind to support Murray Wards plus the Independent Murray Statutory Board. But that's my, my, my own view. We went out and did a formal consultation and I think there were 11,887, uh, 11, if I remember correctly, submitted. 68% opposed Murray Wards, 30% uh, uh, supported Murray Ward, Wards. 
So I said, well, that, that's um, pretty um, significant. So how did we, um, what about my own ward? Now, the local board um, supported Murray Wards. I said, well, okay, that's another factor. But what about the people? 362 um, submissions in the Waitamata local board were against. 192 were for. Um, on on Aotea Great Barrier, 28 um, were opposed to Murray Wards, one supported. On Waiheke, 71 submission, submissions opposed Murray Wards, 28 supported. So it was pretty clear in my mind that if you ask the public to have their say on, on something which is uh, essentially constitutional, uh, you need to take that seriously. And so I voted against Murray Wards if there were going to be if there were going to be Murray Wards around the t- uh, Murray members ward members around the table plus two members of the independent Murray statutory board that's it's quite disproportionate and undemocratic so I voted against it so I just if we could just kind of examine that breakdown and you know as as you say the, the the majority of those submissions were opposed one of the arguments that's been raised by um iwi you know for example Ngati Pawa is that you know that they had submissions which were on the behalf of you know hundreds if not thousands of people and that that hasn't been weighed into that argument I'm not sure um to be honest with you, the, the Maori people, you know, nowadays people's identity is is always sought by the council, and um, the, the the Maori vote was not overwhelming. It was certainly four, but it was pretty close, surprisingly close. And according to the independent report, we got a theme coming from Maori who opposed um, the ward system um, is that they were race based seats were undemocratic and divisive. Now, that wasn't the majority view of, of Maori submitters, but it was a very strong minority. I think it's about um, 44% against 54% or something like that. So um, on, we had, um, in, in my ward, I think there was only one um, Maori organisation submitted formally uh, in, in submission, and that was against. So... I can't tell you which organisation it was, but even in Maridum, there is a division between people wanting the independent Murray statutory board, who mostly comprise iwi from outside of Auckland, who who claim Manafenua status, and um, and Murray, whom are called nowadays Mata Waka, um, who you know feel the. You know they have the same rights as anyone else, um, um, as long as uh, long as their cultural um, background and customs are respected. Um, they don't see, um, they don't believe they have any sp- special um, rights over anyone else. But um, it's, it's a little bit confused. But the message was clear, Chris. The majority of Aucklanders did not want it, and I would say this. Had the independent Murray statutory board, non-elected independent Murray statutory board, uh, had they said, look, we've done our job, we will stand down. Um, we'll we'll stand, stand down in the place of elected people. I think the result would have been t- 
totally different. Um, certainly my attitude would have been totally different. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, as, as you stated earlier, you know, you, you're supportive of Maori representation. So I wonder what you see as the path forward. You know, if it is reliant on, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a single example of where Maori have been granted increased democratic participation through a, a simple majority vote. I mean, in fact, the you know, the government recognised that in terms of local wards um, and by removing the requirement to have a referendum on it. So, do you, I mean, what is the path forward? I, I think the path... Look, when, when I was chairman of the ARC, we used to consult with um, Māori. Um, we would consult with um, recognised tribal authorities, um, Tangata Whenua tribes around the, um, the Auckland region. It was quite surprising... I was a little bit naive, quite surprising that um, um, Tangata Fennel Group said, well, we'd rather, sorry, we have our own rights here and we want to talk to you face to face. Kanohi ki kanohi. We don't want some guy from out of town from the East Coast and we're representing us. We, we want to deal with you directly. So it, it's a little bit more complicated than a lot of Pākehā um, understand. But I, I think we have to work through this and, and we all voted most of us i think voted to support that in the end after that to continue dialogue with maori um about a way forward how to resolve this question because it does need to be um um the, the question needs to be resolved but imposing laws from central government um ain't gonna work and all you'll get is a backlash um, which we have seen uh, at the recent election. Um, so it's a sensitive matter. We, we are a multicultural society. I think it was 75%, there's more, more, than, more Asians, 75% um, of Asians from it has opposed it. So it's, it just indicates that we're in a complex city. But and we're, we... Democracy has been eroded enough um, without uh, so egregiously eroding it by turning down or, or spurning the wishes of, of 68% of the population. It's really, really going to tick people off. Do you do you think, um, just quite finally on this, Mike, I mean, when you've got something which is, you know, such an important constitutional issue... Um, and and you know and as you as you've said, very d divisive. Do you think it's incumbent on the council to be proactive in terms of explaining the implications of that and and going out and talking about these options and what they mean? Because I mean, in the end, we you know what, eleven thousand. So we're you know really we're looking at what under under one percent of of the cities submitting on that. Do you think there was enough work done? to talk this issue up when it's such an important one? I, the council spent a lot of money on it. It was all done, I have to say, something in something of a rush um, before um, the, the... Yeah, it was... It, it, it could have done more. I think it could have take, taken more time over it. I, I do think, though, Chris, that people have other concerns right now. Um, um, cost of living... Um, they're worried about crime. Um, they're worried about they're worried about a council and evidently a government 
that didn't appear to be in tune with their concerns and their fears and their hopes. And um, so, sure, um, um, the, the council needs to in- keep engaging, and not just with Māori, with, with with the whole community, but it's important to get a clear message from Māori because it hasn't come through. And a, a lot of the council staff were quite surprised that there wasn't this ringing declaration coming from Māoridom, both in, you know, like mathematically in percentage, but also with different groups. Um, it's it's way more complex out there, um, and, the, and the aspirations of um, Tangata Whenua and the, 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 the other tribes which prefer to use the term mana whenua because, because they're not actually... The word actually based on the Auckland Isthmus, but, you know, in places like the Coromandel and so on, but believe they had historical rights. And, um, you know, our fellow citizens, Māori, who who come from the whole far, on, may have been born in Auckland, their parents born in Auckland, but have tribal affiliations from outside of Auckland, but they are the by far the biggest group of Māori in Auckland. And so it's a complex matter and obviously a sensitive matter and a potentially volatile matter that needs to be handled um, with a lot of thought and care. I've been speaking to Councillor Mike Lee um, a year on from the local body election and yeah, thanks very much for joining us this morning Mike and, and looking back over that year. So, um, thank you Chris and I'm happy to come on at any time to update folks on on what's going on out there in in council land in in the big beast brilliant we appreciate it you have a great morning mike thank you thank you